Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And it's Friday, so you know what that means. Time for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you. How are you doing, man? I realize, you know, you and I are both married guys. Uh, and I never told you about uh, my when I was courting Susan, my wife. You know, uh, she said she wouldn't marry me unless I got, got over my ambulance obsession. Well, I couldn't wait to get down on one knee. Nor me, nor me, nor me, nor. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, um I'm not sure if I get that one, uh, but <laughs> thanks to Duff for calling it in like he does every Friday. A great musician, a great guy, and a not bad jokester. But speaking of great musicians, we have the Killer Queens who are going to be rocking Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Rager at Sea Part Dune next week, setting sail January 20th. They are here on Talk is Jericho, the world's only all-female queen cover band. And if you aren't going on the cruise, you still have to check them out. They're constantly out playing shows. You can see all their dates and ticket info on their website at thekillerqueens.com or follow them on Instagram at thekillerqueens. Anyway, today we've got singer Nina Noir, guitarist Emily Ruvidich, and keyboard player Olivia, and they're going to tell us how the band got started, how they put together their set list, which Queen songs are the hardest to play and sing, and which are their favorites. Nina's also talking about meeting Brian May and Roger Taylor and going to the London premiere for the Bohemian Rhapsody movie and meeting Rami Malek. Lots of great stories, lots of Queen today as the Killer Queens rock. Talk is Jericho now. So um, last year on the Chris Jericho cruise, I decided I want to have I wanted to have a, a female tribute band on because there's so many great ones. And I had Shoot to Thrill, ACDC band. They were great. So this year when I was looking for the next kind of uh, uh, version, uh, Killer Queens was brought up to, to my attention through Emily because we jammed together. And then I saw that you were now in, in the Killer Queens. So I have Emily and I have Nina and I have Olivia. And you guys are on the cruise. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Yay, can't wait. Like to be a female queen band, like that's a pretty cool. Are you the only one? We are the only one in the world. Yes. In the whole world? In the whole world. Wow. Yeah, hopefully that lasts for a while. Did you start this a few years ago? Seven years ago. So it must It'll have been be huge for you when Bohemian Rhapsody came out and be- yes. Queen became kind of the, the hot band again. Yes. I've actually been following the pre-production of that movie for the last five years. Really? Yes. So I got to like kind of see them figuring out who they were going to have as Freddie Mercury and then like the perils that they had with the original guy that they had hired and then they finally found Rami and he's amazing. Because mm, the original guy was uh, uh, Borat, right? Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Oh, really? And why didn't he? Uh... Yeah. So they actually, as, as best as I know the story goes, they got in a disagreement as to how to portray Freddie. Um, Sasha wanted to portray him in the raw, more this is the true Freddie and... Um, Brian May and Roger Taylor wanted to kind of, you know, mm. Disney-fy it, a little Hollywood it, you know, they kind of made it a little less They didn't want edgy. it to all be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, <laughs> yeah. which is what Sasha wanted it to be, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. exactly. So they fought quite a bit, and then he left the project. So. Gotcha. Well, yeah. it worked out good for everybody involved, yeah. including you guys. Did you see an increase in your gigs and, and, and your, your focus? Yeah. Oh, everybody's queen crazy right now, which is <laughs> right, great. Right, right, right. And we actually got to play the premiere. So we got really? to meet Rami Malek and uh, the guys who played queen in the film uh, in San Francisco. They played at the Castro Theater and had us play before they showed the film. And they did a big like meet and greet, uh, answered questions with the guys who played Queen in the film. And then they invited me to come to Wembley Stadium to walk the red carpet. 
um, for the actual premiere in London with the whole cast of the film. So I got to stand on the red carpet and and talk to everybody who was in the film, which was that's amazing. So and wh- crazy. Why, why did they invite invite you? Because they like me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I was there, I was like, "Why am I here? <laughs> what, I didn't do anything to be here." But but were, um, you, were you kind of like, "This is a, from the Killer Queens, the world's only yeah. female." Queen tribute band. Well, so Brian May's manager actually was the one who reached out to me and asked mm. if I wanted to come after seeing that we'd played the premiere in um, San Francisco. So Were any of the guys there? Queen? Yes, yes. Yeah. Brian May and Roger Taylor were both there. I got to meet both of them. Brian's the nicest guy. He is the nicest guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. It was. I barely said one word. I was so terrified. <laughs> I, did a, uh, I hosted the Classic Rock Awards in London a few years ago, and both Jimmy Page and Brian May were in the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I better go introduce myself because there's a lot of people like Lemmy is there. I've known Lemmy for years and Bruce Dickinson and, and those type of guys. But I better go like introduce myself to these guys so they know who the hell I am when I'm up hosting. Jimmy Page was cool, cordial, but Brian was like just like the warmest, nicest guy that I actually talked to for like 10, 15 minutes and had a great him and his wife. His wife is like super attractive, 70 year old lady. <laughs> like it was just like really She's so adorable. Yeah. Just yeah. a good, you could tell like Jimmy was a rock star, but Brian was like a genuine nice guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So how did you guys all get involved in this? I mean, to put together a queen tribute band, as you guys know, uh, not exactly the easiest music to play. No, uh, and you're a five-piece yes. with a keyboard player. Olivia's a keyboard. Yes, we recently turned into a five-piece about four years ago. So in the beginning of the project, I used to play and sing, but it's hard to rock the crowd when you're sitting behind the piano. So I quickly was like, I kind of want to just stay in front of the crowd. And not to mention Queen has so much instrumentation, mm-hmm. and you really need that keyboard you know, synthesizer background. Or you thought mm-hmm. just be playing to a bunch of tracks. Well, so Queen actually has an unofficial fifth member, which is Spike Edney. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that they have him, and he plays guitar and keys. Mm. And Olivia plays guitar ah, and keys. <laughs> so back up. So how did you get involved with the band, Olivia? Well, I joined pretty recently. I think August mm-hmm. was when I joined, so... Um, you know, Nina had sort of her setup of what the keys player would do, but she hadn't had a guitar before, which was a fun mm-hmm. learning experience together. Um, but I found you guys, I think um, you guys were transitioning keyboard players, and so I sort of just like was in the right place at the right time and yeah. auditioned. So, yeah, I don't know. It just And she's a dream great. come true because she plays guitar and keys. It's perfect. We haven't had that before. I was yeah, laughing when you said transitioning keyboard players. In this day and age, that might mean something different, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Queen. And how about you, Emily? Because when I met you, we did a, a gig with, with through Nita Strauss with the Starbreakers yeah. at the Whiskey. Yes. And you were on bass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how did you get involved with, with the Queens? I think like a year, year and a half ago. I think just mutual friends, like on social media, uh, they just reached out to me. And I was very scared because the Queen songs were like mm-hmm. above my level. There were many tears, but <laughs> learning all of them finally made me like a much stronger player because of it. So are you a guitar player by trade then? Um, my first instrument is piano. And then I started guitar like uh, right when I moved to L.A., so like a couple years ago. And then for Starbreakers, because Nita and then it was Courtney, right? From yeah, Iron Nita Maiden, and Courtney. Like, yeah. yeah, I can't compete with them. So I was like, I'll play bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about Starbreakers because it was, it was a cool experience to talk about Jill as well. But um, I guess to, to go back to when you guys started this, or you started it, Nina, mm-hmm. what made you decide to start a Queen tribute band, especially as, as a female Queen tribute band? Well, so I have always been trying to get more involved in rock and metal. That's my heart and soul. 
And being a female singer, it's challenging to get into those projects. They tend to want male singers. Mm -hmm. So although I felt like I could sing circles around the guys that were auditioning around me, they would get the gig and I wouldn't. And I finally got frustrated and just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make an all-female band. You guys can't be involved in this one. Yeah. And I wanted to uh, pick a project that would be very versatile. So it wouldn't just be rock or wouldn't just be metal or wouldn't just be one thing. And Queen is that. Queen is every style of music under the sun. And then, of course, Freddie Mercury is probably the single most easiest, I guess, to say, singer to make female. Hmm. He's very flamboyant and he's very crazy and he's over the top with his costumes and all the glam stuff. It was just, it was like, oh, I could easily take this and do a female spin on it. And it's not that outrageous. Mm -hmm. I mean, he even dresses in drag for, um, mm -hmm. I want to break free. I want to break free. So it was kind of like, oh, this is, this is the one, this is the perfect one to kind of have that flair on stage and not feel like I'm overly you know, doing the part. I, I wanted to have a little bit of myself involved in the project as well, not just It's interesting Freddy. because I think it's one of the reasons why... Uh, have you guys seen Queen with Adam Lambert? Yes. Okay, so he does such a great job, obviously vocally, but I said this in, in the most respectful of ways. He really nails it because he's gay also. He <laughs> yeah. has that side has to him. He has that feminine... Like, he can do Killer Queen and lie on the couch, and it's like, <laughs> yep, that's what Freddie would do. So I see what you're saying as a female you would be more uh, adept to doing that than if I was singing it, which would be another vibe as well. But you have yeah. the flamboyance and the feminine, feminine side too. Yeah, it works out nicely. Right. And, and this, the range fits my voice perfectly. So mm. it was easy uh, to kind of just start learning the songs. I say that lightly. It was not super easy right. to learn these Surprise. songs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Queen has taught me a lot about my own voice and how to tour night after night and not blow my vocal cords out because there's a lot of times where you get so into a song with the crowd and you just start putting a little extra into it and pretty soon you're like, oops, that was too much. Freddie did such range and just amazing vibrato. It's not, you know, it's, you might be able to hit the notes, mm -hmm. but to nail those songs, do you sing them with Freddie's style in mind or do you sing them as Nina's style? Well, I do both. So there are some parts of songs that I try and get as much of the Freddie flair as I can into the song. And then there are parts where I just go, you know, I'm never going to sound quite like Freddie. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. So I put a lot of myself into it as well. Olivia, when you're talking about being a musician and you say play guitar and keyboards, are you from L.A.? I'm from New York. Originally. So did you come to L.A. to find your fame and fortune as a musician? <laughs> well, I came, I came here for school, and then I've just sort of stuck around. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of on accident. I didn't want to come here originally for school, but um, that's how it ended up. And so I'm so glad I'm here, you know, because mm -hmm. I didn't even know what was here. And now I'm like, it's like a blast, you know? <laughs> right, sure. Because so. once again, to be a, a female, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. it's kind of, uh, it's not a male-dominated, but female bands per se, I mean, yeah. I can't think of any all-female bands since, like, what, L7, maybe? <laughs> I mean, you got the Donnas, go back to the Go-Go's and the Bangles and those sort of things. But in this day and age, I don't know any female bands. Is there any that are all? That are originals? I mean, there's, like, gosh, uh, Beyonce has an all-female band. Okay, well, Destiny's <laughs> Child, this one, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It's not something that happens every day. You know, yeah. it's like, and for, for you, Emily, have you played in bands with guys or has it mostly been all-girl all bands? I've played in four different bands with guys. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of split pretty evenly. On guitar? Mm -hmm. Bass for three, and then guitar for one of those. And that's, like, that's, one, that's one reason why I love what Nita's doing with Alice Cooper in that she's, I mean, she's a killer player, obviously, but she fits in. It's perfect for that band. 
Mm-hmm. You, you got the hot blonde chick who can just shred, throw down. It reminds me of Michael Jackson used to do that with uh, Jennifer Batten, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's kind of a cool vibe to have that in a band when you have the female killer player in there too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and her stage presence is amazing. She's so much mm-hmm. fun to watch. Yeah, she really is. She really is. When you started the the Queen Project, is it just you that's left, or do you have anybody else? That, that, that... Yeah, no, we've gone through so many different versions of the project. It's it's pretty much all new girls. Right. Um, it's hard to find. It must be hard to find girls with the look and the ability to play. It is. It, <laughs> it's difficult to find girls who fit every part of the project that we need, and then it's also hard to keep them. <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> once people start seeing them play, they're like, oh, they're amazing. And the offers start rolling in. And then they're like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go do this other thing. And I'm like, all right, that's all good. I totally get it. Like, Have you lost players to that before? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've had players that go like, it's okay. I'm just going to disappear for about two years. But just hold still. <laughs> Don't get another player. I'll be back. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like, no, no, no. That's not how it works. So. How many shows do you guys do, like, let's say, in a month? It varies. It varies all the time. So um, sometimes we'll only have one show a month. Sometimes we'll have eight shows in a month. It just kind of goes back and forth between what we're doing and what the season is. Mm-hmm. You know how it's it's an ebb and Offers flow. And and stuff. Is it mostly in California? Is it all across the states? So we've played, uh, let's see, we've played in about seven states so far. I'm trying to get some more, mm-hmm. obviously. But yeah, we've played uh, out in Boston. We've done Colorado, uh, Nevada, Utah, California. Um, we're going to be playing in Pennsylvania, uh, Florida. That's great though. Like when you have, I mean, it's a queen tribute band. So I mean, you'd have to find the right areas for that, but to be able to do that. It's more just getting the word out. I mean, more than anything, like we, we had a booking agent for the last five years that I was told was the best booking agent in the area that I am in. I'm in San Francisco. I'm Mm -hmm. the only one right now in the band that's not in Los Angeles. Um, and they were like, this is the guy. And then he wasn't really doing a lot for us after the film came out he got us to play the premiere which was amazing and then after that all the other queen tributes were like booking like crazy and we only had one show on the books so i learned that he wasn't really right for us mm-hmm. and i fired him in march yeah and he then, didn't want you on the cruise either he didn't we had to no. go right through I, I got i got your contact through emily and then i remember that booking agent we had to go around just like let's just talk to nina yeah. directly because i think i said we're not getting any, any response yeah yeah he yeah. was like i don't think you want to do this but they really want to talk to you so here you go and i was like this is an amazing opportunity <laughs> what are you talking about right so that was the first show that I booked without him. And then it just, I mean, thanks to you, it mm. sparked my ability to just go, you know what? I can do this. Do it yourself, right? Yeah. When you guys show up, what are the crowds? How do they react? Do you ever get like, is there like male chauvinist types? Is everybody <laughs> just going crazy for you? Tell us a little bit about that. So my experience has been that people put the bar pretty low when they think, oh, okay, all female queen tribute. What's this yeah. really going to be? So there's a lot of like arms crossed and, you know, just yeah. slanted eyes going, mm-hmm. And so when we do actually play and crush it, they're blown away, which it's kind of, it's helpful for us because they start with low expectations and then we mm-hmm. just knock it out of the park. It's so. always good to have low expectations. I've made a career off low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Olivia? <laughs> what, what was your first gig with the Queens like? Um, what was it? We played a fair. Yeah, which that's was, right. That was so fun. Well, actually, it was crazy because it was a three-hour set, which Nina was like, we never do ever. Like wow. It was like the deepest cuts possible. Oh, so my gosh. Immediately, I was like, 
I now know every Queen song, okay? Like Almost. after that. No, yeah, no, not even close, honestly. But but I was like, oh, okay, like this. And then it was like finding synth patches for it and stuff. So I was like really immersed immediately, which was, it was really fun. But, Who's booking you for a three-hour yeah. Queen show crazy. at a fair? What kind of a fair <laughs> it was, was it? So, so this was a, a venue that um, they basically want to see how well you can rock the crowd. So they give you a long time slot at first. Mm. And then they kind of like shorten it down when you become the headliner of that. Oh, gotcha. But um, honestly, it was so much fun for me personally because I don't get to do all of the Queen songs mm-hmm. in a row like that. And we got to add in some new ones. And like I was having so much fun playing with the audience mm-hmm. and not feeling as much of a time pressure. Um, so, Yeah. Where, where are you from, Emily? I'm from the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> What's the name of it? Jordan Lake. Jordan Lake. How did you end up coming to L.A.? Um, I came out here for the bachelor program at MI for a guitar performance. And then didn't really like that. And then so just started doing my own thing, like getting gigs. And then now I study astrophysics. So <laughs> Astrophysics? <laughs> yeah. Man, it's perfect that you're in uh, in a Queen <laughs> tribute band. Isn't Brian Mays like an astronomer or something? Yes, Astrologist or something? He is a <laughs> doctor. Astrophysics. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Brian May. That's crazy. Did you ever hear the um, like Jeff Baxter, the guy, the, the skunk Baxter was in the Doobie Brothers and he was in um, uh, Steely Dan, that he's actually a rocket scientist? Really? <laughs> like you watch these 70s shows, he's just going nuts. He's playing guitar on like, you know, all the all the great Doobie Brothers tunes and now he's like an actual rocket scientist with a big walrus mustache. <laughs> Something some about your guitar players and uh, physics. Yeah. They're right? brilliant. <laughs> when you guys um, are, are touring, do you, do you all travel together? Obviously, a lot of fly dates. Yes, yes, we do. What's lots it like of fly being dates. A five girls in a rock and roll band uh, touring touring around, traveling together? Well, the one thing I noticed right away from playing with boys is that girls just smell so much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Get on a tour bus after a week and a half, and it's just like mm. ugh. We, yeah. uh, we just did a tour and we have, I think we have, is it 12 bunks on it? And one of them, we have one, or uh, like my PA and she runs the VIP and does a million other things. She's like, oh yeah, you guys just stink. Like, <laughs> no one notices it but you. It's like, I'm a girl. Hey, that's okay. When I toured with Queensryche, it was the same thing. It's just how it goes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You, you toured with Queensryche too. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's amazing. Same kind of bus. It was 16 person bus actually, but they had like separate bunks that they built themselves in the back of the bus to fit more people. Oh my gosh. So is this the <laughs> yeah. Queensryche, the Jeff Tate Queensryche? Yes. So mm-hmm. who was in the band? So at the time we had, uh, let's see, Simon Wright, Rudy Sarzo, and his God. brother Robert Sarzo. Rudy's awesome. Um, we had Randy Gain, and I'm missing somebody in this lineup. I was just Kelly recently. Kelly something or other? Yes, Kelly Gray. Yeah, Thank Kelly you. Gray. That's right, right. Yeah. So were you uh, Sister Mary? I was. Oh, that's great. Yeah. How was that, hanging out for the whole show just for one song? Okay, so this, this was an interesting event. So they called me up with two weeks' notice asking if I wanted to be on the tour and I didn't know anything about Queensryche. I didn't know anything about any of the band mm. or any of the members. I just really? showed up for the first show with no rehearsal. Jeff looks at me and goes, oh, by the way, we changed the key. And I was like, oh, my God, okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the song? I did know okay. the song. I studied it on my own, but mm. I hadn't played it with the band yet. And so it was, it was trippy to go out on stage for 10 minutes. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walked out on stage, the audience would cheer so loudly because they were not expecting there to be a girl. Mm. They, I guess, would often tour and just play the recording and like have a video showing her singing and stuff. And um, Pamela Moore is an incredible singer. And oh, so yeah. 
big shoes to fill. Right. Um, but yeah, I walk out on stage, haven't even opened my mouth, and the crowd's like screaming their heads off. I was like, this is amazing. It's oh a famous God. part in, in Queensryche lore. Like that's one of the, 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 the most recognizable parts in any of their songs. Yeah. Because they have somebody else to know. We were on tour last year in Germany and they were playing a festival with some other black-haired, raven-haired girl was singing. Yeah. You know, once again, just hang out for was one Was this part. with Jeff or was this with... It was, it was Jeff. Oh, okay. But he had kind of a rent-a-band now. I think that was his daughter. I think it might have been too. Yeah. yeah she's a pretty girl, but yeah, it was because yes. it, it was like a bunch of musicians that looked like hobbits. So oh. they were actual band. <laughs> I was like, well, is that Frodo on guitar? <laughs> you know, um, when I was in the band, I learned a lot about uh, the legalities of a project and Jeff was sort of in the middle of fighting for the mm-hmm, name mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know the backstory, so I got to learn pretty quickly like what was going on and... The fans were very vocal about it on all of my pages and YouTube and everything. Right. And um, yeah, and they were at court just trying to fight for the name and he lost, mm. which is shocking because the new Queensryche doesn't have any of the original members. He, there's one now? No, there's two guitar players. Oh, is there? Player. But okay. he, he gained the right to do Mind Crime in its entirety. Yes. yes. They can't do that. Yes. So that was kind of the split there, yep. right? Because I think the name of the band was even Operation Minecraft for a while. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Talking about Queen, you mentioned there's other Queen tribute bands. Like, uh, what, yeah. what are some of the other ones that are out there? There's Queen Nation, which is here in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, Almost Queen, which is out in the East Coast. I think they're in New York. And there's uh, A Night with Queen, which I think is from Texas. Mm, so there's a few. There's quite a few. You guys ever run cross paths with them and have a rumble or anything? <laughs> <laughs> I actually got to become good friends with Queen Nation. Hmm. They're very, very sweet guys. They invited me up on stage for my birthday. I happened to be at their show, and then they were like, oh, it's your birthday? Oh, come out and sing with us. <laughs> so I did a duet on Tie Your Mother Down um, with them. It was so fun. It's so fun getting to watch Greg perform. He's an amazing entertainer. So do the other uh, other queens, do they like try and look like queen? Yes. Gotcha. They look like queen. They act like queen. They try and sound like queen. Yeah. We don't do that as much. I wouldn't want to see you out there but, with a mustache. Yeah. Just being honest with you. Sometimes it happens. That's a, really? t- t- do tell. She rocks it, though. Oh, yeah? What makes you decide to put a mustache on? Yeah, it depends on the venue. So uh, sometimes during Another One Bites the Dust, I do a costume change, and mm-hmm. I'll come out, and there's like a big drum solo that we do instead of all the synthy stuff in the middle of the song. Oh, right, right, right. And then when it comes back in with the, Another One Bites the Dust, another, uh. I like put a mustache on and turn to the audience, <laughs> and I just do that part, and then I Glasses. pull it off again. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, just a little, you know, nod a to cute, it. cute, funny Flare. little moment in the show. Yeah. People always laugh, too. They get a kick out of it. Big reaction, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys talking about playing so many different Queen songs. How long does it take to rehearse them? Because some of them are very intricate. So we have limited rehearsals. So I, when I'm looking for girls, I always explain to them, this is extremely challenging music. It's basically classical music disguised as rock. And we mm. only have maybe one or two rehearsals before you're hitting the stage with us. So mm. you better woodshed. Um, and I, I go after people who are professionals, who are going to tell me whether or not they can actually do that. And then, yeah, Emily, what, what's it like for you to study all of this music? Now I have like the songs down because I've been playing with you guys so long now. But learning the songs was, oh. How long have you been playing with the Queens? year and a half, a year about. So yeah. when you were learning them... What were some of the hardest ones to figure out? Oh. Because <laughs> there's a certain tone to his guitar playing too, right? And to- what's hard too is how he phrases stuff. Interesting. How do like, you mean? Like it won't 
it'll just be like phrased a certain way. So like the legato is in a certain part, and then he'll like do like a little like staccato note, and then just like like you can't just play it straight through like mm-hmm. with like sheet music. You have to like really listen to how he like. What's, what song is an example of that? All of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of them. Especially Bohemian Rhapsody, too. Like, I hear people play that solo a lot, and you can tell they just, like, were reading, like, the tab for it or something. And it's, like, you have to, like, really listen to, like, how he, like, That's you know, a great plays point. it and how he, like, feels like. Well, Brian May has a very unique vibrato on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear him play it, I'm like, I don't hear any other guitar players doing it like that. It's got a really interesting... Like you said, with the tone of it... It's interesting. I remember when um, uh, the, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert in 92, Def Leppard was playing and uh, Brian May joined them, whatever song. I think it was Tie Your Mother Down. Mm. And he said, "Here's here he is, the man with the curly hair and the curly guitar lead. And that <laughs> still, it's a curly, like yeah. you said, it's a very strange pull on tap of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even in songs like Crazy Little Thing Called Love, just those little, those little licks that he plays mm-hmm. in the second verse, not easy. To do, but m- people think that it might be until you actually have to try it. And they're all so precise, and his bends and everything are so, he'll just bend like a crazy amount. And it's just so precise every time that it's hard to even pick out when he's like doing a bend or when he's actually just playing mm-hmm. that note. Just playing a curly lead, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> w- w- was there some songs that you, that were harder than you expected them to be? Um, are they all pretty much hard? <laughs> one that I thought would be hard, but actually, surprisingly, is one of the easiest ones for me is Stone Cold Crazy. Oh, okay. That one has that hard little walk-up, but that's kind of the flip one. I thought that one. I was, like, saving that one, like, already about to cry <laughs> over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then that one was surprisingly, like, it's more straightforward, like, rock than the mm. others. How about you, Olivia? Which songs were harder to figure out? I think the hardest part about about learning them is like switching your hat to, to being because the progressions are like stylistically different. So he has like jazz tunes, basically. Like mm-hmm. Melancholy Blues is one of the like deep cuts we learned. But also, um, what's the other good old fashioned lover boy is like a jazz song, basically. And then wow. so it's like that was I was like, oh, it's two fives, like the whole t-, you know, so mm-hmm. and it's like that has to be right. So And then Love of My Life. Love of my well, love of my life is like a different. That's classical, mm-hmm. you know. That wasn't even really like chord based at all. Kind of is, but yeah, that one was way harder to learn than I thought it would be. Because yeah, it has to be so correct. Well, once too. again, you just mentioned like three separate types of songs, and that's one thing yeah. you mentioned earlier about Queen. It's like, I mean, Zeppelin did a bit of it, and you know, Beatles obviously, but they're so diverse. Like, if you're just a rock player, you're not gonna be yeah. good in, in this band you know yeah. what i mean and, and that's the same with those guys like i don't know if any of them studied classical except for freddie but they just had that chemistry even for the drums and all that sort of stuff you have there's so many it's the same for the vocals do. too yeah, if you're yeah, just you. a rock singer good luck yeah it's not gonna, it's <laughs> not gonna work some of the harder songs to sing um so he does a lot of songs that go high up into his chest voice that in in my voice almost wants to be full head voice but he somehow is able to belt his chest voice up that high and i'm Mm. going you're a guy how are you singing this high um stone uh wait what is it uh it's it's late it's probably the hardest song i've ever tried to sing really because the whole thing is done in this high chest voice and it's super belty and loud and it's fast and it's it's an amazing song. It's one of my favorite songs ever. Um, and you can't change the key because the guitar solo 
is insane. Mm. And I would never, ever wish that upon Emily to have to learn a different key. <laughs> Don't do that to me. No. So I spent a lot of time, I'm a classically trained opera singer and a professionally trained pop and rock singer. So I spent a lot of time stretching out my, my chest voice and trying to get it to go high enough without putting extra weight or pressure and then learning how to like back off but not switch. It's it's a dance while also running around the stage as a right. marathon and trying to entertain the crowd. And I'm like out of breath half the time going, oh my God, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Like there's so many challenges to it. Um, it, it, it definitely, you have to have some balls to attempt it and you have to be good. It's like I said to, to shoot the thrill last year in a different way. Like you can't just go think you can play ACDC because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You think it is. But there's such a precision to it, and it's the same with you guys. Like you can't boast as yourselves as a queen band and not be, no pun intended, killer. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. When you guys have played uh, shows, you use it mostly on your own. Have you played with other bands? Have you played like what's some of the what's some of your favorite gigs that you had? Oh gosh. Well, so we've had some interesting gigs. Um, my favorite gig that I think we played was actually one that was at a comedy festival. Mm-hmm. It was for Colossal Cluster Fest, which is Comedy Central's big festival that they do in San Francisco. And we played the soundtrack to um, Wayne's World with Alana Glazer and Abby from, um, from um, what's that show? Ah, I'm so bad at remembering names. Um, it's, it's a huge, huge popular show. Broad City. Oh, gotcha. And... Um, they they were Wayne and Garth, and it was like a gender bender kind of twist on the the show. And they had fifteen actors on stage cold reading. Oh wow! And they went through the whole film just cold reading on stage with us playing the soundtrack. And and it was at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium to seven thousand people. And the whole time I was like, this is the strangest gig. I You're playing never... the soundtrack to Wayne's World. But, yes, <laughs> but they wanted they wanted somebody who could play Bohemian Rhapsody in its entirety. Oh, gotcha. And because we are the world's only all-female, they jumped on it. They were mm. like, oh, my God, we're already doing a gender bender for Wayne's World with Wayne and Garth. Let's get the Killer Queens to come in and do the same kind of thing. So It's perfect, right? Yeah. How about you, Emily? What's your favorite? Some of your favorite gigs you've played with the band? Hmm. All of them? Yeah, all <laughs> of them. I really enjoyed, um, I think it was our most recent one. We played right after the Atomic Punks. That was oh, really cool, cool to get to listen to them and then... Up there, that one was fun. That was a really good crowd too. Was that up in Folsom? Yeah, that was the Folsom Live. Do you do that quite a bit? Play with other uh, tribute bands? Yes, we'll mm. often play with other tribute bands. I prefer to play with original projects because, like, I like being able to promote other original bands. But sure. it's also really awesome to get to see people tributing these incredible artists and doing it so well. Well, Tommy Punks are great. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of the genesis of Steel Panther came from that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so scared to go on stage right after them. Like the whole time they're playing, I was like, no, I can't follow them up. I can't go on now. But it, once again, a completely different vibe from you guys. It's not like you're going out there as a, yeah. you know, a rat tribute or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you, Olivia, yeah. some of your favorite gigs? Oh, man. Well, I did just join. It's been kind of a whirlwind. But okay. We had a fun, I mean, I guess not just now. It's been like three months. I'm like <laughs> not new anymore. But well, the, the whole tour we did in September was so fun. We had just like a straight week of going through and we played in Vegas. That was really fun. Oh, that's for Freddie Mercury's birthday. That was really oh, cool. Yeah. Um, that was just a fun gig. And then what else? I loved the the Folsom Live too. That was a really fun time. That was a crowd that went as far as yeah, I could so see. so crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Long Beach was really fun too. We played, we played the Gas, the gas lamp. lamp. Oh, that's a famous place, right? That, that crowd went fun. crazy. We, we were opening for an Oingo Boingo tribute called Dead Man's Party. 
only have that in California. So funny, yeah. Right? You couldn't, you couldn't put that in you know, Detroit. Right. And they apparently sell out the gas lamp every time they play. So wow. we were opening up to this like already ready to go crowd that was happy to be there. And they were so stoked on us. It was hard. It was hard for me to pull myself off the stage. Like yeah. I kept being like, can we just do one more? Because the crowd was ready for it. They it's were screaming at the top boost. of their lungs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just love the fact there's an Oingo Boingo tribute band. That's amazing. <laughs> Danny Elfman's one of my favorite artists. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So what other tribute bands is there that, you, that you've played with? Is there any other unique ones? So obviously Van Halen's probably got a lot of tribute bands. Yeah. Like, no, there's not a whole lot of like like odd ones. Like um, we used to tour a lot with the David Bowie tribute. What were they called? Um, they, were, they were called the Gene Genies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they were super fun. And they like would do all the costume eras, changes. Costume changes, yeah. I do nine costume changes during the set. And yeah, originally to. the band wasn't doing costume changes. And then pretty soon the lead singer started doing changes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I see. You got to keep up with that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's been, it's been really fun. Uh, right now we tend to book by ourselves, which is new. I'm used mm. to playing with other projects, but all of a sudden it's just us. Well, that's great. That shows that there's more, you know, uh, de- a desire to see you guys. Like I said, when the, when the movie came out, I would see that oh, this is perfect. Like mm-hmm. for me, looking through all, because there's a lot of great, like I said, female tribute bands. Yeah. Like um, the Guns N' Roses, Paradise Kitty, and there's mm-hmm. there was a Motley Crue one, and there's mm-hmm. Aerosmith one, and um, there's Zeppelin. They're my favorite. They're up north. Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Zeppelin. That's cool. Zeppelin. Yeah. What with are the Gretchen of- Men. Gretchen Men's actually on tour with uh, Neely Brosh, and um, you mentioned her earlier. Uh, Michael Jackson's guitar player. Oh, Jennifer Batten? Jennifer Batten. Yeah, gotcha. they're doing shows together right now. What other uh, female tribute bands is it that you guys have played with or heard of? The Iron Maidens is one of my favorites. Yeah, I they're mean, great. I think that's pretty much how I found Emily was that I follow uh, the Iron Maidens and I followed Courtney and then she ended up in Starbreakers and then I saw Emily and then it was like, oh, Emily. Oh, hello. <laughs> Let's talk about the Starbreakers for a bit because that's where we met. Mm-hmm. On stage, it was a great time with, uh, with Nita and with, with Jill. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, about how did that start up? Because um, had you guys been playing for a while when, when Jill passed away, or was it? Um, I think we had been maybe like a year and a half or two years. We we all had really busy schedules, so it was really hard to you know get everyone together for mm-hmm. a show. So I think we only ended up doing like four shows. But um, yeah, that was one of the most fun projects I've ever been involved in. Yeah, we had a good time. What did we, what did we do? Crazy Train, Seek and Destroy. The whiskey. It was what was it? Um, I don't know. Was it? I thought it was a crazy. Was it crazy? It was an Aussie song, I think. Maybe. I'm trying to even remember what songs (laughs) we did. Did you ever have any uh, uh, signs that Jill was was because she was depressed, right? Depression. Yeah. uh, I was very very close with Jill. Were you? So that was very very hard rough. Such a shock. Yeah. Um, It was very shocking. Like, I talked to her, like, every day, and I didn't even Because that's what they say when people have... Because it was was depression, right? Suicide from depression. Yeah. And you never noticed that, right? Because I never... I used to talk about her jewelry all the time. She's making all this kind of cool jewelry and stuff. And then I I didn't... Once again, I mean, I didn't know her like you did, but still... Yeah. Very, very... I I have a um, little, like, jewelry box that I have... I collected all the jewelry she made me oh, yeah. when I knew her because we both loved unicorns. Uh-huh. So she would always, whenever I'd go over there and she would dye my hair for me, she'd have <laughs> a new unicorn jewelry or a wolf. And she'd oh, always like give it to me or put it like on my car, like mirror. She was um, a great singer. Yeah, she was. 
her, um, our first show, 45 minutes, um, she had, I think it was like a five octave range God. in that 45 minutes. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I never, I just, I met her through the Golden Gods, the award show, she was there, and then I checked out Huntress, and then obviously at that gig, the whiskey gig too, it's like, wow, she was a really good singer, good front mm-hmm. woman, very, very cool person, so yeah. sh- shout out to, to Jill. And you had to be blonde for that gig? Yeah. <laughs> and was that the gimmick that everyone has to be a blonde? Yeah, yeah. everyone everyone was blonde for that. It was fun. <laughs> How do you pick out the songs that you guys play when you mentioned doing three-hour sets, and you mentioned some really obscure tunes? Yes. Um, are you trying to play all the hits plus... Others, are you trying to mix it up? or? Well, so we have to play all 18 hits pretty much every time we perform. Is that what it is, 18? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The the audience wants to hear those songs. And it's interesting, sometimes the audience doesn't realize that that's a Queen song. Mm. So you'll see the audience go, oh, this is Queen? <laughs> you know, I thought Stone Cold Crazy was Metallica. Mm-hmm. I thought Crazy Little Thing All Love was Elvis. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and then the deep cuts is like, you know, sometimes I'll put out a poll and be like, what do you guys think? These songs? <laughs> who, who wants what one? And um, like Cool Cat came up and that wasn't one that I had really listened to in a long time. And I was like, oh, how does that even go? And as soon as I heard it, I went, this is a song that would be popular today. Mm. It's killing. I it's love that song. Awesome. <laughs> and the audience doesn't know it at all. They have no idea. They've never heard it before. So it's really fun to get to show them some new songs. Well, that's what I mean. Like when you when you go to see, you know, Queen Band, you, you want to hear all the hits and you have to play them. But do they do they tolerate and respond to the obscure tunes? Yes. Yeah. Well, Queen's an amazing, they're amazing songwriters. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like they could even write a bad song. Although there is debate over one of my favorite songs is Body Language. I was going to say Hot Space. The Hot yeah. Space album, yeah. <laughs> and so many Queen fans are like, screw that album. That's so awful. I love that song, Body Language. <gasps> Me too. When I was a kid, it was a big hit on, ra- on radio in Canada. Nice. Up, yeah. Sexy. Yeah. I so badly want to perform that. Body. It has like no, there's nothing to it pretty much. It's, it's just bass and really a drum track. bad, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> body. Sexy. <laughs> Sexy buddy. <laughs> that's then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um what uh what are some of the more obscure ones that you do besides a couple that you mentioned? Oh gosh, what else are we doing right now? Um Play the game. That's not that obscure. Though. Play the game's Save not me. super obscure. Play the game. Yeah, Save me's a good one. Um Do you guys do like Dragon Attack? Yes. Mm. We do Dragon Attack. We do it in a medley with Bicycle Race, I'm in love with my car and Flash. Got a flash is a good one. Yeah, Absolutely. we we do a lot of short little blips of songs too. Where I'll be like, I really want to include this one, but we don't have to do the mm. whole thing. Let's just do a little bit of it. Which is what Queen <laughs> does now. They mm-hmm. do, I remember I saw their set list is like thirty three songs. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be the longest concert ever. Yeah, but then they just do like you know the opening riff to Seven Seas of Rye and then go into something else or whatever it may be. Right? Totally. We, totally. That one we love Seven Seas of Rye <laughs> and keep yourself do alive. We? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was so hard to play. Is that a hard one? Yeah, that one took me so long. But it's really like. You just have to figure it out. There's a trick to it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a certain pattern to their songwriting? Is no. Is that what you mean? Or is there <laughs> well, they do, have, they do have some patterns. Like, I was noticing that in some of the ja- the less jazzy or like they're half jazzy, half not. Like, they'll go to like the D minor, A minor. They have some like progression patterns. You guys are such musos. Not. <laughs> <laughs> you throw legato out at me. You throw in D yeah. minor patterns and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, yeah, like I said, once again, you have to be because it's... Queen, right? It, it makes you a stronger player. I mean, that's my favorite part of having this tribute is that, like, it gave me the opportunity to tour with Queensryche. I didn't think that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's given me the opportunity to become a stronger singer. 
it makes me a stronger musician because I also am in some times the musical director if we don't have somebody else who's taking that role at that time. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly I'm going, okay, I actually have to know how this song goes, not just from a lyrical standpoint. Right, 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 (laughs) right. So tell us, you mentioned you went on an actual uh, tour, like a week-long tour. Was this like, were you guys piloting in a van or or how'd you get around? No, we were flying. Oh, wow. Fancy pantses. Yeah. We shots. don't do vans. Oh my goodness. We go. try not to do vans. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but the flights are brutal too. I mean, you're getting into the hotel at two or three in the morning and then you have to be back in the lobby at five AM and it's like oh, I There's didn't sleep to be at all. said about van traveling, bus traveling. You know, if you do if you do a short tour van and rooms, mm-hmm. that's almost preferable to flights and rooms. Because yeah. the airport's so crazy, you know, check in, check out, grab your bag, lose your bag, find this, do that, check yeah. in thing, you know, go through security, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I'm, I'm now I'm just like booking them on uh, private jets using JetSuite X. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just, just going to skip TSA. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, just, just private jets, yeah. yeah. You got that, that killer queen money now, so you're all... You're all <laughs> it's actually less expensive. To I shouldn't what? I shouldn't be marketing this because it's going to go up in price, but... <laughs> what is it? JetSuite X. They go by JSX now, and... um it's private jets that only hold 30 people and you booked flights and it's just to certain cities. But um, like the next show that we have is a corporate event and I was looking at flights and it was more expensive to send them on Alaska, which is great for musicians. Alaska Airlines is amazing for musicians. They take really good care of the instruments. Well, they, oh, do they let you carry your instruments on or what do you mean mm-hmm. you have to check them underneath? Or? Do you want to tell them the story of Alaska? I will talk about check. Alaska yeah. Airlines all day. I love Alaska. <laughs> I will be their spokesperson. They take such great care of the instruments. They let you bring it on with you, like as carry-on, no problem. They give you like a fragile tag for it. Multiple times I've had them ask me what my guitar's name is. <laughs> like they just, they carry it down for you, like down to the plane so you don't have to even like wow. deal with it. I love Alaska. I will talk about them all day. <laughs> Which, and, and for people that don't understand, like this is a big thing. Like I know when, when we tour especially in Europe where there's a lot of fly dates, you have to bring your guitar with you on the plane. And a lot of times it will give you hassle or make you so ridiculous, made us buy an extra seat for the freaking mm-hmm. guitar. What? Yeah, yeah some yeah. shitty airline yeah. in like Denmark oh or wherever we were last year. And it's like, are you kidding? Like, you cannot take it on the plane. You must buy another ticket. Yeah. It's like, dude, come on, man. Like, what are you talking about? There's 50 people yeah. on the plane. It holds 200. No wow. one's going to care. That's terrifying. Well, you know, but that's what I mean. So when you get, when you're talking about Alaska Airlines allowing you to do that, mm-hmm. that's, that's... I've literally never had one negative experience with Alaska. Hmm. There you go. Spokeswoman yep. right there. Amin yep. <laughs> Now, tell me more about this JSX thing. Why am I just hearing about this for the first time? I've been traveling for 29 years. <laughs> it's I've never newish. heard this. It's I think they've only been around for three years. So it's not brand, brand new, but it's still pretty, pretty So it's new. a private jet, but there's other people on it. Yes. So it's it's basically like uh, Uber for flying. So it's people who own private jets who fly on their own, and then they are able now to sell tickets to mm. their planes, and then they fly into certain cities. And so I'm gonna um, look into this. I'm yeah, super jelly right now. It's, it's awesome. I'm <laughs> I'm flying with them on Friday. <laughs> wow. So there you go. So you really were flying private jets. Um, <laughs> Where are you kind of looking to take the band? We talked to you earlier about Australia. Is that something that you're going to try and, and Absolutely. Make I mean, yeah. my, my dream when, when I started this project seven years ago was to be able to tour internationally on the project. I, I really wanted to be able to get enough eyes on the band so that my own personal career could even have a chance. Because it's very hard to get anywhere in music these mm. days. It's become, 
you know, the, the barrier of entry is so low. <laughs> mm. Anybody can make music these days, which is great and also terrible. Right. <laughs> so, you can put up anything on Spotify or whatever it is. Yes, you know, it's an ocean no one's of paying people for it, right? screaming, look at me, and yeah. nobody's really paying attention. Yeah. I teach voice lessons um, as my day job, and my students went from like knowing albums, band names, everything about the project, to I just like this song, mm-hmm. um, and I like this other song, and I don't know who sings it, but I like this song, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, this is terrifying. You don't even know the artist you're listening to, and you don't care at all. Right. So I would love to have the Killer Queens play Japan. I would love to have them in Australia. I'd love to have them in the UK, all of Europe. I really, I'm, China would be amazing if we could get out there. Although I heard some interesting things about touring China. So let's work on that. But the thing is, though, like, <laughs> like I said, I mean, the fact that you're all female is a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Like I would take you guys over a male band just because it's a, like such a, well, I did. I did take you over <laughs> a male band because it's such a cool concept. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I said, same thing with, with the, the, the Shoot to Thrill Girls. It's like, this is fucking killer, man. No pun intended. So I like when you're talking about Australia, and, and I mentioned that I saw uh, Paradise Kitty over there. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a market. I think you guys would do great there. Yeah, great we, we're country. actually, after this um, lovely podcast with you, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing an interview for an Australian television show. Ah, right. Um, so, yes, and you've agreed we're to be, be our interviewee. Right. Yes, so. yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to have that happen and hopefully get more attention on the project out there. I changed my my attitude towards how to market the project, and I started marketing in areas that we've never played. Mm-hmm. And normally I would market, we have a show at this date, at this place, come to it. And I would just market the shows. And now I'm going, no, you know what? I'm just going to blanket statement market across all these different areas and see if anybody then hits us up and mm. goes, oh, I just heard about you. This sounds so cool. Right, right, right. And just see what happens. And that's why it's good to be on, on the cruise because every week or every, every twice a week, I'm mentioning your name on the podcast. People see it and there'll be, you know, 2,200 people that are captive audience to check you out and the word gets around. Yes. You know, and that's kind of how you do it nowadays because like you mentioned, it's all about touring. Mm-hmm. There is no more record sales. Records are just basically a souvenir for the tour. <laughs> yeah. You know, Queen's music is a souvenir for your tour. I had a feeling that things weren't going very well in the music world when System of a Down created an album that said, steal this album. Yeah. And it was just yeah. a white sheet and it wrote in, like, in Sharpie, steal this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh-oh, this isn't a good sign. And I was still very young at that point. I was barely in high school looking mm. at that going, um... <laughs> <laughs> do you think, I was just thinking about this, do you think that it, uh, obviously this is not a bad thing because it's Queen and you want them to last forever. Uh, does it, Do you think it hurts your draw a bit when Queen's out there touring this summer? Did, did that Was that a problem? No, actually, it's interesting. So Queen will come through the area and um, and I'll, I'll go to their show and I'll hand out flyers for our band because <laughs> 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 target audience. <laughs> And a lot of times they'll go, oh, this is cool. I want to see this. And we'll get people who come to the show and go, you know, I think you guys are better <laughs> than what they're doing with Adam Lambert. And I'm going, shut up. There's no way. You it's can't say that. It's good to hear, though. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing to hear those things. Um, Let's uh, just as we wind down here, tell me a little bit more about when you went to London and the red carpet and all that stuff. How was it uh, talking with, with, with Roger and Brian? Did you have a conversation with them? So... Yes and no. They were very busy with interviews. Mm. So Roger Taylor is not very approachable. Mm. He is very much uh, like 
you know, the typical rock star. Yeah, I've heard He's that. like, English hi, yes, star. nice to meet you. Okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and the darkness was there because his son plays mm-hmm. drums with them and they were the same thing. I went to go say hi to them and they were like, what do you want? And I was like, <laughs> I love you. Why? <laughs> You're so English. I know. Right. But um, I actually got a great experience with, um, so because we had played in San Francisco, I'd mentioned to the guys when I met them, um, Rami Malik and Gwilym Lee, that I'm going to be at the event in London. And as soon as I arrived, Gwilym Lee, who plays Brian May in the film, sees me and comes running over and is like, Nina, oh my God, you're here. And I'm like, you remember me. Oh my God. That's cool. Because <laughs> he's gorgeous. He's the most <laughs> beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. Um, Brian May's also very gorgeous. They yeah. look like twins. Yeah. Um, and he very friendly and wanted to introduce me to everybody. So he grabs me and walks me around and starts just introducing me to everyone. And it was very short, very quick, but he kept going on. You know, this is Nina, the lead singer of the world's only all-female tribute to Queen. Isn't that so cool? I saw them play in San Francisco. They were amazing. And I didn't have to say anything. I just <laughs> got to stand there and smile and wave and be like, this is awesome. Mm. Um, and so he introduced me to Brian May and I froze because that's the first thing he says. This is Nina, the lead singer of the world's only all-female tribute to Queen. And I went, oh God, he knows. Okay, now he knows. Oh my God, I hope he's okay with this. <laughs> and he was very sweet. He's like, oh, that's lovely, darling. You know, it's lovely. And uh, Gwilym just kept going on about how great we were. And I, I literally couldn't say one word. I just stood there. I didn't get any photos with Brian or, or Roger or anything. I was so just like... You don't like, know what to do, right? Yeah. How am I here right now? Is this a dream? This isn't <laughs> happening. And of course, he gets whisked away to an interview. And then I'm going, did anyone get that on video? Did anyone take a picture? Did it? No one's going to believe me. In this day and age when everybody films everything. Right. And takes pictures of everything. Like even stuff you get in trouble for. Mm-hmm. I did uh, Lemmy's 70th birthday party at the Whiskey. Listen to this lineup. We did Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. It was me, Charlie, and Scott from Anthrax, Rob from, from Metallica, Ugly Kid Joe, what's his cat's name, Whitfield Crane, and freaking Slash. Wow. And we did this killer version of Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. Me and Whit changed up the vocals, and they did like a 32-bar solo of just Slash with this rhythm. Nobody filmed it. I have one six-second thing that this friend of mine in the crowd, like, why didn't you film the whole thing? Wow. Well, I got this six, that's it, six seconds. You shouldn't have filmed anything. Like, and then, of course, I'm on like, somebody must have filmed it. It's the whiskey. There's probably camera. Nothing. If anybody's listening, that was that Lemmy's 70th birthday party, and you have this. I need to see it. Please. Right? But that's the thing. And, of course, you didn't get any. any. uh, No, I got a picture with Gullam Lee. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, Olivia, I was going to ask you as a keyboard player, this is something I never thought because we don't have keyboards in our band. How do you carry your rig around, like your your actual keyboard? Well, so right now I just have, I have this really small Nord, like the smaller Electra. So it's actually not bad. It's like smaller than a guitar. Mm. Um, I'm considering, I think I'm going to start using main stage, which has like, you know, all the patches and like, um, and if that, you know, once I do that, I'll be able to like, just show up with a laptop if there's a backline keyboard. Oh, so. wow. So you have to get that in your backline then. You can get yeah. that like drums. And I have to get to a level where I'm like, can play with it live. You know what I mean? Right. So it has to be smooth. So, but for right now, like even just carrying around, I have like the smaller Nord. It's like, you know, is it's it, not bad. Is it hard doing fly dates where you have backline different amps every night and that sort of stuff, Emily? Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're supposed to get the same amp each time, but <laughs> it kind of just depends. So that's that's always a giant, like, that stresses me out so bad when I get there and I see just, like, some mm. crappy amp. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> how good are you? Right? Because it's just an amp and a, and a guitar, but still it has to be 
a good amp, mm-hmm. especially once again for the music that you're playing. I was going to ask you the last couple of questions here. Do you travel with a sound front of house person? We don't currently travel with a sound guy, but we are training one right now. So he's coming to our shows and kind of feeling out how we run our sets. But a lot of the venues are union-based, and so sometimes they won't let us touch anything. And we can't fly with a full board. I saw that you do that. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Maybe one day. We played a gig in Orlando about six years ago, and it was was with a house sound guy. It was shit. It was the worst. Remember a lot of the guys, the three of the guys from Alter Bridge were there, and it's like, well... There goes the chance of her opening for them because that was the shits. It sounded terrible. And Rich and I were saying we're never, ever playing another show without our guy, our yeah. front of house. Because especially, once again, with Queen music, if you have someone yes. like, listen, God bless the house guys, but a lot of them really don't give a shit. Yeah. And there's so much in your, in your, in your, you know, in your show. Yeah. I have I have a section in a writer that is just notes for the sound guy, and mm. it's literally like, please read this. Yeah, and you need the volumes <laughs> on the mics to be exactly in this order, yeah. and you need to make sure that during these songs that the mics are done in this order. And yeah. <laughs> like, and every show is, of course, they do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. That's no. that's why we're training a sound guy, yeah. and Matt's amazing because he not only is great at running front of house, but he's also a producer, and he's a guitar player, and he's a drummer, and he basically plays every instrument. He's produced several albums on his own. He also sings, and he's probably the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. So, But you have to have that. Even if it costs a little bit extra with another plane ticket or whatever, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Yep. Because if you don't come out of it sounding great, people notice that. Even if they're not musicians, they notice, like, I just didn't sound, the vocals weren't good, or it was too sludge mm-hmm. muddy, and, you know, you got to have that, especially when you start playing bigger places. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And even, like, if we play everything perfectly and the sound's not right, it, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter like, exactly. If the sound is perfect and you don't play it perfectly, but people still dig it because yeah. the sound is better, then that's worth it too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, last question uh, for you. Actually, two class questions. Have you guys ever been on a cruise before? I have not. Yes. Yes, you have. Did you play on a cruise? I played on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Oh, cool! With, with Paradise Kitty, actually. Oh, wow! You're yeah. just with everybody. <laughs> I actually played in Shoot to Thrill too. You did? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. From, yeah, because you're from North Carolina. You that said. was my very first band I was ever in was Shoot to Thrill. You're kidding me! Where were you playing in that? Bass. Nice. Yeah. Wow, you never mentioned that. <laughs> Your first band ever. Was it hard being in an ACDC band? No, the bass was pretty easy for that. <laughs> you really got to lock in with the drums, though. Yeah, it was. It wasn't, like, as serious as, like, the Killer Queens are. Mm. So it was more just, like, everyone was just kind of having fun. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So Was it the same drummer that's in the band now? I have no... I, mm. Since I moved away from North Carolina, I don't really... She was a killer really... drummer if, she, if it was the same girl. She was, like, just badass. What was her name? I don't mm-hmm. recall. I don't recall. I don't think they've had um, the same people since I moved from North Carolina. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. What... Uh, you, you, you haven't been on a cruise? Nope. And you haven't been no. on a cruise. Oh, you guys have so much fun. First time experience. It's a blast. It's yeah. a blast. You're going to have so much fun. You guys are going to get over huge. And then you can have some drinks or just there's so much stuff to do. It's just a, it's a nonstop party. So cool. we're looking forward to having you. Uh, last question for you. What is your favorite song to play? And what's the hardest song to play? Ooh. All right. Sorry, Emily. Mm. I think the most fun one for me is maybe Keep Yourself Alive. Mm. And that one's so crazy, too, like the format of that song. Yeah. It's just all over the place, so that's Weirdest a really beginning fun. ever, too. Like, you got to really nail that beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got it. Our drummer and I have got it locked down. Good. We've yeah, practiced practice. that one a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. And what's the hardest to play? The hardest to play. 
This is actually going to sound stupid because this is not a hard song, but Cool Cat. I get so bored during that. <laughs> that I'll like fall asleep and then be like, oh my God, where are we? <laughs> got to pay attention to those ones, right? When they're hard, it's easier for me to focus because then I'm like, I know what attention. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like on it. But when yeah. it's just like doing like the same two chords for a long time, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Olivia? Uh, um... I really like You're My Best Friend, mm. just because I love the clav. It's fun to play clav. I like the clav sound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good old-fashioned lover boy's fun. I think hardest, also kind of mentally, is Bohemian Rhapsody, just because you have to get it. Mm-hmm. Like, mentally, I'll be like, sh- my part of my brain is like, thinking about other things. I'm like, you can only think about getting this part right. right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. stop. You have to get <laughs> so, that right. But yeah, yeah, that's probably. How about you, Nina? So the funnest song to perform is Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Mm. It's such a, it's a dance song. Everybody gets like way mm. into it right away. We always win the audience over at that point. If they're like not sure they want to dance, then yeah, that yeah, song yeah, comes yeah. on. They're like, oh, okay, I'll <laughs> dance for this one. Right. The hardest song for me is Keep Yourself Alive because that one has so many words. Wow, good point. And they don't repeat in the way you'd expect them to. Like anytime he starts to repeat a lyric, I'm like, oh, here we go. He changes one word. Right. I'm like, why? That's super, I hate that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hate that. And it's so fast. I always feel like I'm practically rapping. Mm. I mean, Stone Cold Crazy is basically a rap and it's way easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I did a a tribute, or like, what's it called? Uh, Metal Allegiance last year at NAMM. And we did Stone Cold Crazy. And that's you just sing it like James Hetfield. It's not hard at all. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. It's, I love the Metallica version where I'm like trying to convince our drummer to play the Metallica oh, yeah, drums yeah. on it because I like the stops that they have. And Have you guys ever seen uh, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert from 92 at Wembley Stadium? Yes. Did you ever watch Extreme? Go watch it. They do an amazing, about a 20-minute medley of Queen. And it's really, really good because that band, so cool. Gary is great and Nuno is just a killer. Wow. It's yeah, really, I love Nuno. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I just, just Google Extreme Freddie Mercury Tribute and it'll blow your f-ing mind. It's really, really good. I just awesome. watched it the other day for first time in a few years and it's like they just really nailed it. They're the closest band to Queen on that whole tribute stage. Mm. And it's worth checking awesome. out for sure. Totally. I feel like I have to have seen it because I've watched that whole thing as much as... Yeah, they do. It's like yeah. a Radio Gaga's in there, and another one. It's the Dust and just Bohemian Rhapsody, and Keep Yourself Alive, and it's all, all the one hits. Another, but it's just the way they put it together is really, really cool. So. Awesome. Maybe we can take some notes from when we have to do short sets. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And they're like, we don't know who you are. You only get thirty minutes. And we're like, thirty well, minutes. Queen for did the Queen? best. Queen did the best gig of all time in twenty minutes. Yeah. That is very true. Right. That I mean, is very true. I still say to this day that Queen at Live Aid is the best gig of all time. Yes. You know, I agree with that. Knowing the history behind it and, and all the stuff, they just murdered it so good. Mm-hmm. Any aspiring band, when you're like, we actually were doing the Uproar Festival a couple of years ago where we got 30 minutes. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do Queen at Live Aid. We're going out there. We'll play song after song. Boom, boom, boom. Body blow, body punch you in the face and see you later, buddy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's how you do it. That's how you do it. We will see you guys on the Jericho Cruise. It's going to be exciting. Yes, we can't wait. Yeah, Thank you so wait. much. You take requests. Oh, well, it depends. Crazy little thing on the <laughs> <laughs> We got that. We got that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.